If you're able to stand, I want to encourage you to stand. As I read Revelation 18, our passage stretches from verse 1 of chapter 18 all the way to chapter 19, verse 5. I'm not going to read the whole passage, but I do want you to have your Bibles open the whole time because I'm going to be going back and forth to try to make sense of this passage. But you're going to be helped to hear and to gain wisdom if you'll have your Bibles open. I do want to read the beginning and the end of the passage. And I want you to especially listen for how it is that people respond to the death of God's enemy. Revelation chapter 18, verse 1. After this, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was made bright with his glory, and he called out with a mighty voice, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a dwelling place for demons, a haunt for every unclean spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, a haunt for every unclean and detestable beast. For all nations have drunk the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality and the kings of the earth have committed immorality with her and the merchants of the earth have grown rich from the power of her luxurious living. Then I heard another voice from heaven saying, come out of her, my people, lest you take part in her sins, lest you share in her plagues for her sins are heaped high as heaven and God has remembered her iniquities. Pay her back as she herself has paid back others and repay her double for her deeds. Mix a double portion for her in the cup she mixed. As she glorified herself and lived in luxury, so give her a like measure of torment and mourning. Since in her heart, she says, I sit as a queen. I am no widow and mourning I shall never see. For this reason, her plagues will come in a single day. Death and mourning and famine and she will be burned up with fire for mighty is the Lord God who has judged her. And then verse 9, the kings of the earth come up and remember her. And then in verse 11, the merchants of the earth come up and remember her. And then another angel will come up at the end of chapter 18. But I want to pick up in chapter 19, verse 1. After this, I heard what seemed to be the loud voice of a great multitude in heaven crying out, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God for his judgments are true and just for he has judged the great prostitute who corrupted the earth with her immorality and has avenged on her the blood of his saints, her servants. Once more, they cried out, hallelujah, the smoke from her goes up forever and ever. And the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God who was seated on the throne saying, Amen, hallelujah. And from the throne, a voice came, a voice saying, a voice came saying, oh my. And from the throne came a voice saying, praise our God, all you, his servants, you who fear him, small and great. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. Dearly beloved, 
we are gathered here today to reflect on the life of a beloved prostitute. If you remember from last week in chapter 17, the prostitute, the great prostitute or the seductress was this personified uh, city or this way of life that the devil uses to seduce the world. This city or culture which is presented to us as a seductive woman. The graphic and the strongest language possible just to remind us that the devil's aim for each one of us here this morning is to draw us away from relating to God the way we were made to relate to God. And today, God has his word in Revelation 18 through 19, verse 5. And it is the last respects for the seductive city. That's the title of the sermon. Last respects for the, the seductive city. He's brought us to a funeral. And, and it may sound a bit weird to pay respects. To so sorry a woman. But then again, have you all ever been to a funeral? Sometimes the truth about the deceased is just left out. And yet this funeral really is different. God is telling us the truth about this seductive city. And, and he's going to tell us the truth using the perspectives of people who don't all feel the same way about her death. So here's what I want you to think about as we walk through this passage. How do you think you're going to feel when all that would seduce you away from God dies? How do you think you will feel when all that would seduce and draw and attract you away from God dies? I think if we were all honest, there may be different feelings in this room about that event that's going to happen. But I want to encourage each one of us to respond the way that God tells us to in, in, in chapter 18 and verse 4 when he says, come out of her, my people. Lest you take part in her sins. Lest you share in her judgments. So let me give you a sentence that this whole sermon is about. And it's the call to say goodbye to seduction. This is God's word for us at this funeral. Say goodbye to seduction. I think chapter 18 is, is, 
is really just the series of, I mean, you can think of it like eulogies at a funeral. It's different people who are making speeches about the death of the prostitute. And chapter 19 is kind of like a funeral hymn. So eulogies and then music. Ecclesiastes 7, remember, says it's better for us to come to a funeral than it is to go to a party. So let's go to the funeral. Point number one is chapter 18, eulogies for the seductive city, for the way of life that the devil uses, the culture of this world that would draw us away from faithfulness to God. These are eulogies at the funeral of that city. And, and the people there, they, they feel they feel differently from one another. And so some of these eulogies are expressing thanksgiving for the life of this seductress. And then others are expressing thanksgiving for her death. But uh, we're going to go through all of them because all of them um, really teach us what. What we should know, and that is that God wants to get rid for good everything that would seduce us from him. First up, verses one through three, it's like the coroner is at the funeral and he walks up and he reads the obituary. Verses one through three. What the angel says is she fell, she fell. You know, obituaries are really informative. In 300 words or less, a person's entire legacy is being reported. And so in obituaries, we have things like the deceased's dearest loved ones being recognized. Uh, we have their, their most cherished commitments that they live their lives for, and we have their greatest accomplishments in, uh, recorded in obituaries. Well, God's glorious angel comes to the mic and tells us that the seductive city was loved, it says, in verse 1, by demons. That's who she was loved by. And she was committed to Immorality, ungodliness, and self-seeking. Imagine going to a funeral and hearing this about someone's grandmother. But this is what he says. That her greatest accomplishment was tricking the nations. Tricking everyone she talked to. Into her God-denying way of life. That's what the angel says. She fell. But it, it, it's clear that he's not saying she was like a klutz. They're not like laughing at this part of the funeral. He's celebrating her death because her death reveals what the city's lights and luxuries hid. And that is that Babylon, this culture, the way of the world is evil. And God is going to bring it to an end. One thing I want you to notice in the passage is each one of these eulogies, each time they pass the mic to someone else, they all end up saying for, like the word for, F-O-R. Like, like look in verse 
three, four, all nations have drunk. And in verse five, another angel is speaking and it says for her sins are heaped as high as heaven. And then in verse 10, you see the same same thing this time when the kings of the earth take the mic and it says. Um, not in verse 10, where, where am I? Somewhere in there, it says four or alas, alas, four. And here it is four in a single hour. Your judgment has come. And what I want to draw your attention to that is because each each time the speaker says for that's them explaining to you why it is they feel the way that they do when God judges this prostitute, this city. And and in there four is a lesson for each one of us. And in verse three, when the angel gives his lesson. Well, he sounds more like a proud father who's announcing the birth of a of a, an, an awaited son. But but really, he's shouting the good news. Ding dong, the witch is dead. He's so happy. She's finally gone. Because God's perspective for you and me is this system of life. that The Bible calls the world or this city. It is seductive. And we want it to be gone because it is like a prostitute. The prostitute will start with just a kiss, but she is always planning to get more. Or in, in this passage, it's, it's like she offers you initially a sip of alcohol. But that's not all she wants to give you. And so the angel is telling us before this thing happens, just say no. Because a sip from this city, a just a taste of worldliness, just a taste of God denying life will lead you to total intoxication. And so if you don't. Say goodbye to seduction. What the angel is saying, you're going to lose total control. Just ask any person who struggles with addiction. You will get to a point where you have no more control. And what you will be is you'll be carried around. And what you're being carried around by is demons. And you will be carried to an end that is just like this prostitute. That angel says his peace, and then another one comes up. And, and we can be thankful. The second eulogy is done by another person from heaven uh, because in verses 4 through 8, he tells us she's not worth your affection. She's not worth your affection. Again, this is not the kind of eulogy we often hear at the funerals that we go to. She's not worth your affection. What we more commonly experience at funerals is what happened at that funeral that my pastor friend was officiating when a woman walked up to the casket. And. Slapped the corpse. And said, get up. Get up. Please get up. 
please come back. I can't live without you. Well, when heaven comes and has a eulogy, the angel doesn't cry to the seductive city, get up. Heaven cries to God's people, get out. Get out. She is not worth your affection. Look again in verse 4. Come out of her, my people, lest you take part in her sins, lest you share in her plagues, for her sins are heaped as high as heaven, and God has not forgotten. He has seen her iniquity, and he has answered, get out now. Beloved, get out of that kind of worldliness. Get out of it while the getting's good. Get out of it while you can. Get as far away from anything that would seduce you from trusting the Lord and obeying his commands. Hear me, get out. Get out. Beloved, this is the eulogy. If we were driving home from the funeral. Later today, when you're talking with family and friends, maybe after the service say this is the eulogy we should be talking about. This is the one that should change our life. We should be asking ourselves, how do we need to get out? You need to get out. Get out of her. And I'll tell you why. Because this isn't the first time God has said these words. What I mean is, get out is what God always, always has said to the people he saves. I'm going to prove it to you. This come out of her, my people, is based on things in the Old Testament. So, when God's people were in slavery in Egypt, remember the Passover? They celebrate the Passover. They were to make a meal that they ate, and part of it was unleavened bread. They weren't going to wait for the bread to rise. Why? It tells us in Exodus chapter 12, because they were thrust out of Egypt and could not wait. They would not wait for bread to rise. They wanted to get out of there because the time that they had been in slavery was 430 years. He says, get out as quickly as you can. And then it happened again. God's people, hundreds of years later, they find themselves slaves in the city of Babylon because they had been seduced away from God. And Jeremiah 51, he says, flee from the midst of Babylon. Let everyone save his life. Be not cut off in her punishment. For this is the time of the Lord's vengeance. This is the time. Get out. Don't be anywhere near uh, Babylon. And then in verse 9, the second time he says, forsake her. Let us go to our own country. For her judgment is reached up to heaven. And then a third time in Jeremiah 51, it says, go out of the midst of her, my people. Let everyone save his life. Get out. Beloved, get out. Get out of the seductive city and stay out. Or you won't get God. 
That's what he says every time he saves. It's not worth it to keep on sinning. What did Jesus say to them? Go and sin no more. God does it again and again. He saves sinners. And he does it again. He says the same, very same thing after Jesus dies on the cross. And he's raised from the dead. He, he really gets the sinners out of trouble with the blood of his son. Not with the blood of some animal. But his only son in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 says, Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. My own son's blood has been shed to save you from sins. Therefore, get out. Don't wait for the leaven to grow. Get out of all of your sins, he says. And get away, he says, from immorality, greed, idolatry, reviling, drunkenness, and swindling. And then he keeps on talking in, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? You're hearing from all kinds of people you can stay in. You can have him. You can get in. And you can stay in this seductive city. Beloved, God never said that. He says, do you not know the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of heaven? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed. You were sanctified. And you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. You see how the forgiveness of Jesus is never is never given as a reason to keep on sinning. The washing of the blood of Jesus is given for the motivation that we would get out of all sin. The only way to get into the kingdom of God is to get out of the seductive city. And so he says, come out of her, my people. Do not take part in her sins. Or else you will feel her plagues. So the angel says. She's not worth your affection. Now, we've heard from two angels, and I think at this point in the funeral, there's some there who are thinking a different side needs to be given for this lady. And so we've got a different group of eulogies up next. Sometimes at funerals, eulogies are done in groups. I don't know if you've ever seen this. Um, it's like people come up together to give each other emotional support to get through what they're about to do. In verses 9 through 20, four brothers walk up and they're all weeping and wailing. We've got a king, two merchants, and a ship captain. And this is what they all kind of pass the mic and say. Verse 10, the king says, she was so great. Verse 14, trying to pull at our hearts. When, sa when he says she lost everything. Verse 16. The other merchant says she was fine. Verses 19 and 20. 
The ship captain says she was rich, but her money could not save her from God. In those four eulogies, let me let me just give you two things you should learn, and that is only the seduced are sad when she dies. Only the seduced are weeping and wailing when she dies. I want you to see how God tells us why it is that they're sad. Look, look in chapter 18 and verse 9. When the king, the kings of the earth come up, they're weeping and wailing over her because they lived in luxury with her and they committed sexual immorality with her. And then in verse 11, these merchants from the earth, these people who made money off of her, they're weeping and wailing because no one buys their goods anymore. Because she was the one making people buy their stuff. And then in verse 19, they, they threw dust on their heads as they wept and mourned. They're crying out. Alas, alas, for the great city where all who had ships at sea grew rich by her. She made us rich. And sometimes people weep and wail at funerals for purely selfish reasons. Say goodbye to seduction. Be wise. Say goodbye to seduction. Because seduction always makes us more selfish. I want you to think about this. This is the only way seduction works. And this is the way you should spot your enemy. Seduction works because it suggests to us that us feeling good and us having a lot is what is most important. Us. We are most important. It tends towards selfishness. And what this is saying is seduction is a lie that God will not allow to be told forever. Only the seduced are sad because they're so selfish. And the things that make you more focused on you are not good for you. But there's another thing that these four eulogies teach us, and that is that a life that is focused on self is like a magnet for the burning anger of God. Look in verse 19, chapter 18. The great city in a single hour has been laid waste. Verse 20, because God has given judgment. Most of these eulogies, they, they call attention to how quick God's judgment is and how decisive it is. And you should be listening. Because God is almighty. Look, look back in verse 8. Her plagues, her judgment came in a single day. She had said in verse 7, I sit as a queen. I have servants all around me. I am not a widow. 
No one can take my protector away from me. And mourning I will never see. I will never have reason to be sad. I am all powerful and my protectors are all around me. And in a single day, it says in verse 8, mighty is the Lord God who has judged her. But then it draws attention to that again in verse 10. In a single hour, your judgment has come. And in verse 17, in a single hour, all this wealth has been laid waste. A life that where you are the focus of it is like a magnet attracting the burning anger of a God who can end everything in a moment. But then there's one more eulogy and it's by a mighty angel who comes up in verses 21 through 24 and and he says she deserved it. She deserved what she got coming to her. She deserved it. And so he illustrates this in verses 21 and 22. Where this mighty angel takes this millstone and throws it into the sea, to the bottom of the sea, to illustrate that's what God's going to do. He's going to cast this great city down. And the reason given in verse 23 and 24, look, for... The seductive city deceived the world and killed God's people. She deserved it for deceiving the world and deceiving God. She deserved it for killing God's people. That's the message. Beloved, God hates everything that seduces people away from him. And he promises to bring a violent end to all of it. So parents and anyone here who loves children, prays for children, encourages parents. One of the best things we can do is identify the ways the seductress is tempting our children. And there are two two primary ways that Revelation is drawing our attention to. One is prosperity, which is the desire for wealth. And the other is pleasure. Isn't it so common for us to raise our kids and just want them to have what we didn't have? Be careful that we don't rejoice in or encourage what God is going to destroy. So let's teach them and don't just tell them, but by our own life and our own commitments, let's teach them to say goodbye to living for money or the stuff that money buys. Because all of that is being used by the devil to trick people into living like God is not necessary. Say goodbye to all manner of lust and fantasies and romance storylines and the fleshly pleasures that would seduce you from being pleased 
with the better thing of knowing God. Well, these eulogies have taken a while. Lots of people have lots to say about this, but let's move on to the special music. Point number two is chapter 19, verses 1 through 5. Special music for the seductive city. Special music for the seductive city. You know, some, some Sunday mornings at Redeemer Church, we sing songs in the minor key. What, what I mean is they're slow and they're sad. And they're strange. Uh, because all the church growth experts say, don't ever do that. You know, all the big thriving churches only sing upbeat, smiley, victorious kind of songs. Our, our songs are sometimes a bummer. <laughs> and it's on purpose that we do it. Did you know God has a song book in, in the Bible? called the Psalms, and two out of three Psalms are songs of the minor key. Songs of sadness. Do you know why? Because life in the seductive city is sad if you're a Christian. There's so much in this world that is sad to us, dangerous to us. And so we're going to keep on singing songs like that and learn more of them. But on this day, when the choir goes up at this funeral, they're not singing a weeping and wailing kind of song. And the attention... All of a sudden is no longer focused upon the seductive city. All the lyrics in chapter 19 verses 1 through 5 are focused on the Lord who judged her. And this choir is made up of every Christian. That's why chapter 19 verse 1 says a great multitude throughout the book of Revelation. It's, it's everyone who's saved. Everyone who's saved now comes up to the stage. And then the 24 elders and the four living creatures in verse 4 join in. And the song is a happy number. Look in verse 1. Hallelujah. Salvation and glory and power belong to our God. Hallelujah means praise the Lord. That's how we feel about the seductive city's death forever. Praise the Lord for salvation and glory and power belong to our God. Verse 3 we got, it's one of these, you know, praise songs that just keep saying those same words over and over. Hallelujah. The smoke from her never stops. It goes up forever and ever. We want to see that smoke going up forever and ever. May she burn forever, they say in verse three. And then in verse five, uh, the throne then speaks and says, praise our God, all you his servants, you who fear him, small and great. Beloved, listen. Pay your last respects to the seductive city right now. Because the day 
where we say goodbye to seduction for the last time will be one of the best days of our lives. Look at the lyrics again. Verse two tells you why you should be praising the Lord for this. Doesn't matter how many people are weeping and wailing. You should be rejoicing because the seductive city, we know what it is. It is corrupted. It is ruined the entire world. Sin. Every single time we haven't trusted God most. Every single time we've lived in a way that is opposite of what his will is for. Sin has done nothing but hurt us. Every single time it's hurt us. And so we will praise the Lord when seduction is gone. Really helpful. Verse one, this first lyric salvation. Is what they're singing about. Finally, salvation is complete. Here's what I mean. You know, far from forgetting to talk about repentance when we encourage you to come to faith in Jesus Christ. Far than from, from, from talking about how you can just keep on living in sin. And Jesus will just keep on forgiving you. Not if you live in sin and you don't really care about him. Far from that. Verse 1 tells us. When seduction is gone, salvation belongs to our God. What that means is our salvation ain't done till seduction is gone. We want it gone forever. So Ecclesiastes, remember, says the heart of the wise will fix its eyes on this. And really, there's just one more thing I want to encourage you to do. And that that is to pay your last respects for the seductive city. By looking at her open casket, looking at her open casket. There are good reasons not to walk by an open casket. You know, some some deaths are so gruesome. The body is so scary. Especially for children. Some people don't want to walk by an open casket because they don't want to see the one that they loved. Dead. What's really interesting at this funeral in Revelation is that God points out that those who have been seduced. Those who do not love the Lord will not come to the open casket of the seductress. We're told this three times. Chapter 18, verse 9. At the end there, they weep and wail over her when they see the smoke of her burning. Verse 10, they stand far off. In fear of her torment. They won't come close. And then in verse 15. This point is made again. The merchants who made money off of her. Will stand far off. In fear of her torment. And then in verse 17. The shipmasters and seafaring men. Stood far off. They don't want to see her like that. 
but they fear her torment. Because they're afraid that it is foretelling what's about to happen to them. They fear her torment and they want to avoid dealing with the fact that they deserve judgment. If you've come today and you don't really get why it's bad for you to keep putting yourself first. And you don't really get why it's bad that you don't put God first. But you're focused on your pleasure and your success. I want you to know how glad I am that you are here and you are always welcome here. But I want you to get the most out of being here. And you've got to come close and see what God is going to do to his enemies. God made you to put him first and to find pleasure in him. And he will not allow you to rebel forever. He won't have it. Don't stand far off. Don't distract yourself. Too soon. In a single hour, you're going to die. It's going to happen like that. Or Jesus is going to come back. And your judgment is going to come. And I want to invite you right now to say goodbye to your sin. And to say goodbye to living for yourself. And to turn to the one who shed blood. His blood got us out. His blood got us out of trouble. His blood got us out of sin. His blood can get you out too. You can be forgiven of everything that you have done in your rebellion. But you've got to turn from that rebellion and trust in Jesus Christ. But for those who are here who fear the Lord, I mean in a positive way. Like those of us here who believe there's no one like him. Those of us who want nothing more than to be with him. Those of us who regret everything we've done to hurt him. Everything we've done to dishonor him. To those who are here who really believe how strong is the pull to sin. To those who are here who do not presume that we will not give in to temptation. To those who are here who, whose worst nightmare would be waking up in eternity and being sent away from the one our hearts long for. Come close to the open casket of the seductress and pay your last respects. Beloved, Christ is going to save us from her for good. Oh, Father, we thank you for your word. We, we pray that you would use it. God, keep us from standing far off and just hating the discussion of judgment. God, keep us from the folly of surrounding ourselves with fun. Because it may just make us selfish and we may find ourselves seduced. And in a single hour facing you and your
wrath that burns forever and ever. We pray instead that we would be cleansed by the blood of Your Son and we would get out of all seductions and get away. God, use use this church. Use this church to help one another to get out of Babylon. That we might get in to life eternal with You. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.